This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! So, Paul, have you been on this, uh, this this new podcast yet? This podcast of a thousand holds, as we call it? I'm pretty sure I have. There was the one that you and I did alone together uh, where we recapped the show that you and I went to. Oh, that is right. Okay. Yeah, you had talked about it the week before with yep. Ronnie and Aaron, but then uh, there was the week after you didn't have anybody else on, so I jumped on with you and we talked about it a little bit more. Okay. Along with whatever pay-per-view is coming up. I don't remember what it was. All right. Fair enough. So did you, uh, did you watch Battleground this past weekend? Uh, I watched as much of it until it pretty much made me stop caring at some point. So after the after the tag team match, you stopped watching it? Um, what did I watch? To, I, I still had it on after the AJ-Kevin Owens match. Yep. Um, I missed completely missed the Shinsuke Varen Corbin match. Uh, just the process of my night getting my son to bed. But uh, yep. Um, yeah, the, the the AJ KO matches. The the way it ended was they they both are good and they they can do a you know they're very good at having matches with slow builds. The problem with the match with the slow build is when you end it with a shit finish. Yeah, it was it, a shit the finish. The build was just boring then. Yeah, it, if it was, doesn't get exciting at the end. It's just what, what was all that for? Yeah, it was definitely not the best uh, finish that they've done in a long time. No, it, it definitely feels like it's setting up for their next match together. Well, they already had a title change on SmackDown Tuesday night. Did they? Yeah, Chris Jericho came back, and they had a three-way match: Jericho, AJ Styles, and, and Kevin Owens, and Styles pinned Jericho to to recapture the United States Championship. Interesting. Yeah. I so, didn't know that. I saw that Jericho came back, but that's all that I knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess they're keeping that feud going. I think everybody was kind of hoping for some AJ Shinsuke, but well, I think they're gonna hold off on AJ Shinsuke for quite a while. But I think did they you can they can tease it for a long time because they know people want it. They don't have to right. even have built to it. They can just throw that shit out there and people are gonna be happy. Well, do you see what they're giving away for free next week on SmackDown? No. John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Interesting. For the number one contendership. Actually, the winner will challenge uh, Jinder Mahal in the Pujami prison. Oh, they're going to do that match again because it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, they're not going to do the Punjabi prison again. I mean, I, I said I didn't mean to say that. that it's, he's going to be challenging Jinder Mahal. For, sorry for the belt. I was thinking about the Pujambe prison because I want to know: Did you watch that? You didn't watch any of that. I actually, I did see a little bit of that. So I, I, I guess I kept it on. Uh, I turned it off before the end of that match, but I watched a little bit of it to kind of get a sense of it. And I thought it was funny because you had uh, earlier in the day you had made some kind of comment about gimmicky stuff. I don't even think it had to do with wrestling. Yep. And I was going to be like, oh, like the pay-per-view tonight? You know, because they come up with the most gimmicky stuff that just, I don't know. At some point, the gimmick overruns the match big time. And that's kind of what I felt with that uh, Punjabi prison match. My- and I was watching it. I didn't know the rules. So yeah. they're both trying to crawl out this door, and there's a, a timer counting down. 
So I, I gathered the rules as it went on. Yep. And my, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think that the, the doors thing was a new thing this time around. I don't remember that being in, in, in the first go around. Um, but probably Kali and show and take or whatever. Couldn't crawl through the doors anyways. But, um, I found that the crowd was completely dead because they couldn't see the match. Yeah. Like, when you're I, looking through both of those cages, you can't even see what's going on in the ring on the hard camera. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I know I know that it ended with Kali coming back and uh, yeah. helping Jinder get the win. Um, so I yeah. don't know how that went down because I didn't bother to, to go back and rewatch it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Kali came out and climbed up. He, and... and Orton was trying to climb out of the cage and Kali started shaking it which caused Orton to kind of flip over the cage back inside it and you know stumbled you know he slipped down a couple rungs or whatever then Kali climbed up just reached through one of the bars and grabbed Orton around the neck and basically held him there choking him with one hand until Mahal climbed out to retain the title Yep. Interesting. That's what they did, all right. You know, it's funny. I, I was at work Sunday night, and I turned to my coworker, who was also a wrestling fan, and I said, "Hey, you know what's going to happen?" I said, "Great, Kali's going to make his big return. He's going to like out rip the cage open, so uh, Jinder Mahal can escape and, and retain the belt or something like that." And I mean, I was right <laughs> for the most part. He returned and affected the the finish so that Mahal retained. I don't even think it's a bad return, to be honest. Um, well. <sighs> Is it a one-off, or is it going to be for a while? I hope it's I, a one-off. <laughs> I It wouldn't bother me if he was around for a little bit. It makes me think of Andre the Giant being around with the whole Ted DiBiase trying to get his hands on the Oh, yeah. And, you know, it didn't go past that phase a little bit where Andre wasn't really up to wrestling. Yeah. Uh, so even if he was, quote, in a match, it was usually always a tag team match, and he stood right. there on the apron and didn't do anything. Right. Um, I mean, he Kali, was obviously, when he was back, uh, when, when he was still in the company a few years ago or whatnot, he could hardly do anything anymore. Right. But he's still a he's still a giant, and you know what? He looks just by looks, he looks as good as he did a few years ago. Yeah, he does look so the same. He's imposing. All yep. he's got to do is be on the outside and throw that stupid chop of his. You know. <sighs> The stupid chop. Yes, <laughs> if we can believe that The Rock can drop an elbow on CM Punk to win the championship, then we could believe that Cully's chop can just split your head right open. God, I'm shaking my head. Well, did you watch the Usos New Day tag match? I did watch that one actually. That's, that's one a, of the few matches a, I was. Able to I really was. Watch. I was genuinely surprised how much I enjoyed that match. It was a good match. Yep. New Day is a good team. They. When they carry the, the the championship for too long, like yeah, the, people got tired of them. Yeah, the 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 screw job finishes, the screwy finishes got old because you can't have them beat you know upcoming up and coming keel tag teams clean all the time because you yep. just kill everybody. Right. Uh, so you had to have there be gimmicky stuff going on, and they're obviously good with gimmicky stuff. But they were, I mean, some of the times they'd basically do heel finishes. Yeah, but his baby faces, which you could do that. I mean, there's been plenty of baby well, faces that have done that over the years. Yeah, but so like over Austin, time it still gets old. Right, it's like Steve Austin never changed his style in the ring and who he was. He just started getting cheered by the fans. Yeah, but he still I, was I the same in the ring. Example, but I think there's le- I, I don't know, like maybe a guy like Mr. Perfect when he was a baby face, he would still push boundaries. 
Oh, I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would still kind of cheat a little bit. Yeah, it may not be as blatant, but uh, but he would still, you know, he would he would push the the boundaries. He of, he was uh, still cheating. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was a good match, and you know the Uth- the Usos. The, the problem with the Usos when they were faces is they were, you know, the stereotypical sell merchandise baby faces right. that really didn't have much character. I mean, they did the stupid, when I say ooh, you say oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so they just, they had no real character. So you didn't care much about them as a baby face, but you just right. kind of, oh, whatever, they're the, they're the Usos. They're going to be around, you know? There were a bunch of, when you compare them to a lot of the other baby face tag teams... You didn't mind them so much. When they right. became heels, you really had to pay more attention to their character, which was good for them in a way because it, it made them have to have character. They weren't just baby faces trying to sell merchandise by chanting. Um, yep. I, I wish they would come up with a look that didn't look like they were just on their periods, but uh, yep. they. I, I don't think it's a bad gimmick for them if they just would keep on developing it. And make it something a little bit better, not just get complacent with where they're at. To just be, you know, we're old school thugs that are going to beat your ass. Right. I think they could pull that off. They just got to keep on developing it, not sit here in this. We wear sweatpants and sweatshirts and sneakers because we look like we're too lazy to put on real wrestling clothes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's essentially what it is. I mean, at least Luke Harper has the decency to be filthy when he comes in wearing regular clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, nice. So, uh, what have you been watching on the network lately? What have, I, what, have, what have you been going back and watching? What old school uh, have you been treating yourself to? I've been jumping back to random things, mostly. Uh, and I haven't been like consistently watching a whole lot of anything. Um, usually it'll be if I have a night where I just feel like staying up a little bit later and everybody else, I want to throw something on TV that, um, you know, isn't like trying to watch a TV show or a movie where I got to like really focus. So part of it's been, in, uh, stuff that, uh, Pritchard's talked about on his show. And then part of it is I'll just like shoot a message in our little Facebook messenger group and get a suggestion from somebody. And without a doubt, whenever Aaron suggests something, it's the wrong year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So uh, I, I usually look a year before or a year after whatever he says. Yep. Um, the one that I actually tried to watch over and over and over, and I slowly plugged my way through parts of it at least, was uh, King of the Ring uh, 96. Was that the year Austin one? Yes. And I, I've, that one I've watched before. Uh, that was, you know, back when I was watching then, that was right around the end of when I stopped watching wrestling. Like yeah. that was kind of the decline. Uh, basically, WrestleMania 12 started the downfall for me. Um, but watch it, I watched that again a few years ago, and his promo after he beat Jake the Snake, because I remember watching that as a oh, kid. And yeah, that was the so birth of Austin 316, yeah. Yeah, and so watching it as a kid, it didn't mean anything to me. But going back and watching it again, man, it, that promo gave me chills, especially listening to uh, to him talk about it, how it was just all off the cuff pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to – you know, we're going to have him say this and then it's going to be a t-shirt. It was more like he knew it was good and yeah. then they had a fight for everything else, you know. Right. Found out later, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that promo the first time it happened. Uh, I think I was at my cousin Rob's house watching the pay-per-view 
and you know, and it was just like, whoa! I was at Jay's house. It was just like, whoa, holy crap! You know, <laughs> when he when he ripped the whole thing out there. So I mean, yeah, I was I was still young enough that I was like, no, he beat Jake. Jake was so close. Now he's being blasphemous, the bastard. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. So what how, what drove you away from wrestling backing? You said around WrestleMania 12, or made you like go? I was the attitude away. era totally, but it started with WrestleMania 12. And I've said this before, but uh, you know, I was I mean I was old enough. I knew wrestling wasn't quote real, but I was if I was gonna watch. It's just like when I watch a movie now. Like so many of our friends will watch a movie and they'll go into it wanting to find something wrong with it. I go into a movie just wanting to enjoy it. Yeah. So when I was that age and watching wrestling, I wanted to kayfabe it. You know, I wanted to enjoy it for what it was. So I went into it with just it's, you know, it's it's presented as real. That's what I'm taking it as. Yeah. So the iron. First of all, the rest of WrestleMania 12 was mostly terrible. Like there was so much terrible in that uh, WrestleMania, in my opinion. It was the first pay per view I ever got. And I got treated to wonderful things watching it with my dad for the first time ever, like uh, Roddy Piper ripping off Goldust's clothes and seeing that he's uh, it, it dressed like a transvestite. Right. And stuff like that. Uh, there were only six matches to begin with because the Iron Man match was an hour, obviously. Yeah. In the Iron Man match, I have never rewatched it. Never once rewatched it. But as a kid... An hour with not a single like there there wasn't a lot exciting from a kid's perspective in that hour, you know. I mean, there were only a few spots that were kind of exciting, but it was mostly well, like a long, grinded out match, which is like in the retrospective, whatever. Like it, it's fine. Yeah. But you get to the end. Brett has the sharpshooter on. Now, if the rules stated that if you get to the end and the time's up, you continue till there's a winner. He has the sharpshooter on. He holds the sharpshooter on. Yeah, why would he release he it? Yeah, why would he so release you, it? You call the match over, say it's a draw, and then come out and say, no, it must continue. That that ruined so much for me. Because Bret Hart got screwed out of his championship by them changing the rules after he had executed an entire match. So it just, it, it really, I mean, it's my first pay-per-view, huge Bret Hart fan. So it just it was it started to be kind of the decline, and of course that's the point that where they stinks. start changing Bret Hart's character too to the wine ass, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They start slowly turning him heel because there's well he's well not only that, while, but he but... he disappeared essentially until Survivor Series after that. Yeah, which is something that I didn't even realize yeah. until listening to Pritchard talk about it on his podcast. Yeah, no, after he after WrestleMania, he essentially. He essentially disappeared until yeah. Survivor Series. He came back and like cut a promo, basically saying like, um, "Oh, the WWF's my home. This is where I'm going." I remember Vince McMahon being like, "Woo, woo! Thank goodness, woo!" Like you know, he had legitimate concern if he was going to stay or not. And um, but yeah, and then well, that r- r- sorry, but that led to one of the greatest all-time Austin pre-tape promos that he ever did. You know, and he's like, pink was, tights. In, in hindsight, there's a lot of stuff that was great that came yeah. from that. And I can, like, now I can understand. I can look at, you know, the guys that I like wrestling now. It doesn't matter to me if AJ Styles is a good guy or a bad guy. Yep. Uh, it's watching the performance. See, you know, that's... Back then, I was still in that place where it wasn't just about the performance. It was about... Yeah. Good was, guys and bad guys. My hero, you know? So I'm looking at it like yep. Steve Austin is a bad person. And... 
he's going over and Bret Hart's getting screwed and everybody's starting to, to cheer for it, you know? But that wasn't what ruined wrestling for me, though. I, I probably, if it wasn't for the other aspects of the Attitude Era... Can you just, I'm sorry, can I, can, I, can I jump in real quick? I, I just yeah. I have to say this because this is my brain. Like I was saying, it led to one of the greatest Austin statements of all time. Where he goes, if you put an S in front of the hitman, that's exactly what I think about Bret Hart. And I was, I'm, yeah. I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that I was like, that's terrible. Why are people cheering for this? Oh, that's- because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're, when you're a few years older than I was at that yeah. time, perhaps. But I was like, no, that's uncouth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I probably would have developed past that phase of being a wrestling fan if it wasn't for all the vulgarity that got injected into wrestling and all the sexuality that got injected into wrestling. Because at that time, I was still, because uh, my parents had gotten divorced, yeah. I would call my dad and just chat with him on the phone while we watch Raw together every single week. Yep. And when it got to the point where I didn't feel comfortable watching Raw with my dad, you know, I felt uncomfortable. It's just like now, like talking about comics to people, like uh, we talk about a publisher like Xenoscope that always has the TNA covers, and the content usually doesn't represent what's on the cover. Like it's not nearly as sexual, but I, I could never buy this comic book that has these like sexual covers and like have that stuff sitting around you know i mean right like to me that doesn't represent myself properly that that sends a bad message to my wife sends a bad message to my child so i wouldn't do that so to watch wrestling and have it just really get to to the point where to me it was embarrassing you know there's so much about wrestling that you could be embarrassed about that, that shouldn't bother anybody. You know, the, the cheesy angles. The, I mean, back when I loved it as a kid, there were a million cheesy characters in it. Oh, you know? so you were a big fan of, like, the cartoon era, as they refer to it, so, you know, the pre-attitude era. Where they yeah, had, yeah, like, T.L. Hopper and the goon. It's not that and... I loved that stuff. Like, if you look at the guys that I loved, I loved Mr. Perfect. I loved Bret Hart. I loved, yeah. uh, you know, guys like that. Like, I love the guys that you look back, you're like, man, they were the best workers, you yeah. know? I loved Hulk Hogan, of course, um, and pretty much what, once he lost to Yokozuna and then left for WCW, it was never the same, and that's when I became a big Bret Hart fan was in that time. Um, yep. But I even then, I hadn't been watching WrestleMania for that long by WrestleMania, or I hadn't been watching wrestling for that long yep. uh, by that time. Uh, yeah, so it was all that other stuff drove me off and it was all part of the battle between WWF and WCW and they both had to outdo the other one um so when I got you know when I moved to Maine which I guess now is like seven years ago six seven yeah, years ago yeah, yeah yeah it's been a while yes it has I started watching it a little bit again and uh yeah I mean you bet you know there, there was so much new stuff and so much good stuff I mean that's when CM Punk was coming on um, you know, Daniel Bryan was still kind of being held down some at that time. Um, so I, I mean, I was able to watch and be like, oh, look at this Randy Orton and John Cena. They look like they, you know, they could put on a pretty good show. Didn't know they'd been doing the same damn thing for like five years by that point. Right, right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so it was just all kind of fresh. And then I was able to see, you know, CM Punk and, and Daniel Bryan and guys like that step yep. up and show off their skill. And they were the guys that really hooked me back in. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, that's when he won the championship, right? Yes. Yeah, that was the best moment I've had since I watched as a kid because just the build of the story and the fact it wasn't just the moment, but the, the build up going back for so long, you know? 
Um, and then, of course, CM Punk bailed, and then Daniel Bryan had to retire. So I was like, seriously? But then you had uh, Bray Wyatt come up and, you know, just like really getting into these guys' performances and seeing what different guys were capable of. And then seeing the guys coming up through NXT. Uh, you know, I mean, AJ Styles didn't go through NXT, but uh, seeing him, seeing Shinsuke, seeing, uh, I mean, the 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 women wrestlers that came through like uh, oh, Sasha gosh. and Bailey and see Charlotte. that was that was a big thing for me which you know when the Attitude Era hit I was ready for that type of wrestling I was already into ECW watching it at Jay's house on the on the satellite dish on Friday nights at one in the morning and everything so like I I was ready for that but I didn't I never really cared for I mean I. <sighs> At first, when it came to the women and what they were doing, at first I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty awesome," because I was a you know hormonal teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that got old so fast because once they brought back the women's title and then they were making a mockery of it, and then you have these quote unquote women wrestlers, and to me, I'm like, okay, there's some amazing lady wrestlers on the independent scene, and they're using models and having kind of shit show matches and then you have like Shimmer who's putting on amazing matches and that was a huge frustration point for me and much like I outgrew Hulk Hogan and I outgrew what he stood for and I didn't wasn't a fan anymore and then in WCW I just I didn't care for Hogan at all um, I outgrew the immaturity of the Attitude Era if you will you know, and I didn't. I didn't want that anymore. I still love my old school like NWA blood and guts wrestling, but it's not what the Attitude Era was. When it, you know what I mean? Like that was you have a steel cage match and some guy gets busted open because you're having a steel cage match. It's not you know you're having a match where there's a garbage can full of junk that you're beating everybody with and there's no real common sense to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got to the point where I wanted, even in my violent matches, I wanted a story. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I get, and but I'm right with you there when it comes to how the women were portrayed uh, then to now. Yeah, it's like I go back. Ronnie suggested uh, some pay per view the other day. I think it was one of the more recent ones that's been on Pritchard's show that they talked about. And it starts off with a promo with Sable. Yeah. And looking back, I just I detest Sable. I yeah, me too. Her. She I, she I w- never like yeah. Sunny before her was like the bridge between the two, but Sunny like even with like the bringing sexuality in there, it was still reined in a little bit. Yeah. And then you get Sable, and it just goes off the charts. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, it I, I sent Ronnie a message right then, and was just like, "You Sable," and he's yeah. like, "Well." I didn't think you wanted something good. I think you wanted something to go fall asleep to. I was like, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. I'm just saying I don't like table. Yeah. No, it's like when they were doing the, you know, the uh, the uh, the um, brawn panties matches and the bikini contest and the pudding bowl matches and on and on and on. I just I got so tired of it all because I wanted just actual wrestling. Yeah. See, and I, yeah. I I had bailed even before it got to that point of it. Like it, I I yeah. bailed earlier on in the Attitude Era. Uh, I only vaguely remember WrestleMania 13 uh, being it around that time. Uh, I don't think I even made it to 14 um, before I just got fed up. Um, I don't think I was actively watching when the Montreal Screwjob happened, or that might have just been like the final nail in the coffin. (laughs) Yep. 
yeah, it just they, that whole thing. I mean, that's why that, that's part of the reason why I'm bitter towards Shawn Michaels. I know like Aaron is a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, fan I, I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, but actually looking back, to me, Shawn Michaels was at his best when he was a member of the Rockers, and then when he made his return in 2002 Ford. His singles run as uh, the Heartbreak Kid initially, I think it was it was decent, but I really think for me the better parts of his career is when he was with the Rockers and then 2002 forward when he made his return. Yeah, he re- I mean he really put stuff on the line in that return. Um, I mean he's had some you know he had some good matches and stuff and but yeah like w- watching WrestleMania night. Wrestled Tatanka, I think, or did Tatanka wrestle Alex Luger? Whatever. He he had a match WrestleMania nine, and it was kind of just stale and boring. I mean, that was like yeah. right after the Rockers, uh, you know, like just a year or so after him before he started like really, really pushing up the ladder of things. He had the great yeah. ladder match with Razor Ramona WrestleMania ten. Yep, and I liked him. Yep. You know, at that point he was a good performer, but especially looking back and just knowing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and just everything that happened. Uh, it's not just that he was the guy that happened to be the one that was there to take the mantle from Brett by force because that's what Vince Man wanted. It's who he was as a person on top of that. I mean, WrestleMania 12, you know, he told the ref to tell Brett to get the F out of the ring. Yeah. Uh, just no, no respect, you know, for... I mean, just like I said, if if you look at like if you look at it as reality and black and white rules, Brett got screwed in that match. Uh, yeah, see, I, I hated the sudden death overtime yeah. aspect of it because to me it was an hour's an hour, you know. And then they announced the sudden death, and I think what, I think what pissed me off the most about it was, you know, they announced a sudden death, and you know, thirty seconds later, two super kicks and the match is over. I was just like, no, that's just. Exactly. Ugh. It's garbage. Yeah, I mean, that, that was garbage to me. Job, Brett, that he basically, he's like, what the hell's going on? So, of course, Sean, it doesn't matter to him because right. it's tight. You know, I mean, it's another opportunity for him to get up, kick the guy in the face a couple of times. <clears throat> yep. But, yeah, I mean, just the, the whole thing. I mean, he, that was when Sean was personally at his douchebaggiest. So, yeah, uh, you know, and he, I mean, I just, it really, uh, he was, he was a major component of what drove me off of wrestling. So, he will always be tied to that emotion for me. Makes sense. Yeah, and then on well, top of that, you go on to all the DX stuff, and that that was the other part that drove me off of wrestling yeah. was the vulgarity, and that that's what they dwelled in. Yep. No, I get that. I can understand that. Um, well, you know, moving forward a little bit, uh, obviously you got back into wrestling. We started chatting about it, and then you know you've been to several shows with me and everything like that. And we watch many pay per views together and everything. Um, and then you come to wrestling where it is today, and it is a lot different on the American landscape than it was back, you know, uh, ten, twenty years ago. But for me right now, the best wrestling in the world is over in Japan with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They are absolutely killing it this year. And I don't think New Japan's ever been as popular as it is right now. And you have the uh, the G1 Climax Tournament going on, which runs from July 17th to August 13th, and they have a show almost every day. And the big match that everyone's waiting for is 
It's going to be Kenny Omega versus uh, Okada 3. Their first match, they went 47, 49 minutes, and Okada got the win. Their second match was a 60-minute time limit draw, and now they're slated to face off near the end of the tournament. It's a round-robin type tournament where it's not elimination style as much as it's, um, you know, you, you face off against uh, eight or nine. Hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, you face off against nine other opponents, and for every win you get two points type of thing. And so it's who accumulates the most points. And there's an A block and a B block. And so there's, there's 20 guys total in this tournament. And... You know, when they announced the block, it's like, holy crap, they put Okada and Omega in the same block together. So you knew, you knew they were going to have a match against each other. And it was just like, damn, because (laughs) I didn't think they would do it that way. I thought, for me, I thought Omega was going to win the G1 again this year, and the winner gets a briefcase, like the Money in the Bank briefcase, but it's a contract for the title shot at the Russell Kingdom on January 4th, 2018. So I thought Omega would win that again, and then they'd go into the Tokyo Dome in January 2018, and that's when we'd see Omega win the belt. And they could still do that, but I think they're just, I think this match here, it won't be a title match, and I think you'll see Omega get the win over Okada in the tournament. I think you'll see Omega win the tournament, and then they'll have a fall against each other, and they'll have the one tie and then they'll go into the uh, the rubber match, I guess, if you will, at the Russell Kingdom in January again, and probably blow everybody out of the water for the fourth time. So that's that's my uh, my prediction there of the G1 tournament. How do you go about watching New Japan? Well, um, if you want to watch the shows in their entirety, you can go subscribe to uh, New Japan World, njpwworld.com, and that's their version of the WWE Network, and it's actually nine ninety nine a month. It's actually, I think it's eight bucks or eight ninety nine American. It's nine ninety, it's nine hundred ninety nine uh, Japanese yen, and uh, a lot of the shows have uh, English commentary with uh, Kevin Kelly and Cyrus or Don Callis. And then the the rest of the shows determined will have like Japanese commentary tracks, and then you can watch it again, like the finals with English commentary. Um, I haven't subscribed to New Japan World yet. I, I usually watch a lot of the ones I, I find them online to stream or whatnot, um, because they don't have a Roku app yet, and I'm really hoping they get one. They have an Android app, so I can download it on my phone. But I can't download it on my, my Kindle Fire tablet. They don't have an app for that yet. Mm-hmm. And the web – so you have to kind of like watch it on the web browser. And the web browser is kind of the drizzling it's, – it's the shits yeah. on that on that Fire 7. Um, so if they ever got a Roku app, I would jump all over that quicker than you can blink. But, man, you know, there's so many great matches this year, and I haven't had a chance to find them online and or to watch them all. So I'm thinking I'm going to have to subscribe to New Japan World and just watch it uh, hook my laptop to my TV or something so I can so I can start watching all these great matches. Yeah, at least that's pretty easy to do nowadays. Yeah, I mean, literally, I just plug my HDMI cable into the side of my laptop. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. Yeah. I remember when you used to have to go through all kinds of hoops to try to get it hooked up. Yeah. I had roommates uh, in California that were always like that. They had to fit, like do every, like, the most technology, didn't matter how big of a pain in the butt it was, they had to do it. Uh, yeah, I, I need to find some other stuff to watch like that because part of my problem right now is I don't have a lot of time. 
especially over the summer because my son stays up later and then just with uh, other things that take time. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like that, that's why like the uh, what the hell did we just watch? Battleground? Battleground, yeah. Battleground, Battleground Great Balls of Fire. Yeah. That one I pretty much missed the whole damn thing and I just didn't even care to go back and watch it when I found out the results. Yeah. Um, and uh, even what was before that? Oh... The extreme rules. Yeah, like none of them were very impressive, and it it kind of after like, and I know I have seen how this stuff goes. Like it'll be kind of cyclical. It feels right yeah. now, honestly, like Vince McMahon is taking the reins back on the booking more. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like for a while, like uh, you know, we were seeing a lot more Triple H influence and a lot more mm-hmm. of the you know the talented stuff from NXT coming up and actually getting its place. Um. So, you know, at some point we'll see it kind of cycle back, and that's just what I figured right now. I'll, I'll just kind of... Well, see, typically we have a takeover that helps get us through because it's usually always better, but the takeover show in May wasn't that good, unfortunately. It was it was okay. And that was yeah, it. it just... It was it was, the, it was the first bad takeover, I think, since they started launching these takeovers. And right now they're doing the build through the summer to get to the Brooklyn Takeover 3. Or NXT Takeover Brooklyn Three or whatever they're gonna call it, um, but I'm I'm excited about the May Young Classic, and but they're not dropping those episodes until like August 28th or something like that. So I've been avoiding all spoilers because I don't want to know. I want to watch it. I want to be surprised. Same thing with the Cruiserweight Classic from last year. Yeah, I don't think I've watched any NXT since the last Takeover either. Just once again, without having time to watch them. There's been there's been some good matches. There's been some good matches. Yeah. I'll probably start working my way through that because a lot of the things I loved in NXT has moved up to the main card and is not getting used the same way. Yeah, Um, I'm not. Yeah, like Ty Dillinger. Yeah. He was Um, really coming into his own on NXT. You know, he was essentially a tremendous fan favorite. If he would have stayed down there, he would be main eventing the cards and everything, you know, challenging. Yeah, now he lost to Aiden English. Yeah, now he's jobbing out on the pre-show. Um, but the things I still love is I still yeah. love Asuka, and I still love Bobby Roode. Oh, Asuka's so, amazing, yeah. Yeah, I got to get back to, to some NXT because, you know... She two, had... They're not going to... You know, they're not going to start getting misused in NXT well, on the tops. Yeah, you need to go watch... Get misused till they get moved up. You need to go watch the Asuka versus Nikki Cross last woman standing match. Yeah, I've heard about <clears> that. That was fantastic. Speaking <laughs> of uh, Japanese women wrestling real quick, quick segue for you. I've been working on a new blog post uh, for my uh, Wrestling Insomniac. It's called the WCW Women's Division. And basically, I talk about all the different times over the years from 19, I believe, 1986 all the way to the end of the, the company of when they tried to establish a women's division in Jim Crockett Promotions and then later WCW and everything and how it never really worked out. And there was one match that I watched, um, World War, uh, sorry, Russell War 91, February 24th, 1991 in Phoenix, Arizona. And it's a pay-per-view and they have... I, I, I believe this is when I was introduced to uh, women's wrestling from Japan, or Joshi Perosia, as they call it. And you had Itsuki Yamazaki and uh, Mami Karamura against uh, Miki Honda and Miss A. And holy crap, like, 
the crowd got into this. And these are girls that none of these southern people had ever seen before for the most part. Um, I would I would I would I would gather except Yamazaki who was one half of the Jumping Bomb Angels back in the WWE in, in the late 80s. Um, but yeah, I mean just a fantastic match. And while doing this blog, it led me watching several more. And if you want to fast forward to Russell War 3, the pay-per-view in the Norfolk Scope in Virginia in 1995, you're going to get Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto against uh, Cutie Suzuki and uh, Mayumi Ozaki. Again, what a... Fa- I mean, they had they had a return match the next night on Nitro, and it wasn't as good as this match they had on the pay-per-view. I mean, they go about 10 minutes. It's a really, really, really good match. And I think you should definitely watch this one, because I hadn't watched it since the pay-per-view, but I don't remember it being this good. And this was essentially the last match of the, the WCW Women's Division. It was Akira Hokuto, who was at the time the WCW Women's Champion. And she was defending the title against Medusa in a title versus career match at the Great American Bash on June 15th, 1997. <clears throat> and again, I hadn't watched this match since I probably first watched the Bash back in 97. And this was damn good. Like, I don't remember it being this good, so I was very surprised. But this was a damn good match that told a fantastic story of Medusa, you know, <clears throat> getting an injury early on, having to fight back from underneath the whole time. You know, uh, the commentators did a great job talking about how her career was on the line. And the only bad part in the whole thing was actually Bobby the Brain Heaton who, in his attempt to put over how tough Medusa was, was saying things like, I've never seen a woman this strong. I've never seen a woman take this kind of punishment before. And instead of just saying, a rustler. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing that bothered me about it. But I was thinking about it, and it's like, Jesus and Crow, this is, this is pretty much like, you know, in the WWE, you're getting TNA shows, essentially, and Lita. And in, in WCW, you have these two top women wrestlers just killing it and killing each other in this, this fantastic match. And essentially, after this match, you know, Medusa loses and Akira Hokuto leaves WCW, and that's the end of the women's division in WCW. I mean, they had some stuff later on uh, when they the Nitro Girls became managers and then wrestlers. I'm using quote fingers and and everything, but um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed going back and, and rewatching or watching for the first time uh, a lot of these women matches on the WWE Network. Yeah, the the few matches I've come across just randomly watching whatever pay-per-views. Yeah. Um, before the, I guess like before the Attitude Era, basically, uh, even when it was just kind of run of the mill or meh at least it was still wrestling matches and you look at like yep. everything we had attitude era and then through that yep. and then we had the the girls who came up through nxt and and just mm. were amazing oh yeah um and now it's like it's kind of getting muddied again like naomi's one of the champions obviously <sighs> like I, yeah. it's too bad to see them have put on such great matches on the main card and now they're regressing back to this crap yep the brand split did that you didn't they didn't have a deep enough talent roster of women wrestlers to tolerate a brand split so you could have high quality matches on both shows unfortunately 
Yeah, they should have just kept the the women's division on one brand if that's the case, which yep. it was the case. I, I think instead of doing two hundred five live, they should have had a women's division show. Oh, uh, that would have been cool. You know. Um, yeah, so I mean, now it's like we're seeing it get muddied again. You get, you're seeing, you know, even some people with talent just being thrown in these really crappy matches. Yep. Uh, well, that was the biggest thing. But back, you know, back in the day, it's like yep. even even when it was unspectacular, like they were putting on legit matches all the time. Yeah, no, they were, they were, but. Um... I don't know. We we could talk about that forever. We both have a, a complete disdain for what the women's division ended up being before we got what we have now. You know, um, especially when like you're watching. Well, if you were me and you're watching what was going on in Japan or Mexico or the independent scene, and it's like, why am I getting this schlock from WWE and WCW? So, yeah. Anyhow. On that note, I should probably call it a night. Yeah, yeah, no problem, sir. Thanks for uh, jumping on with me to uh, to chat about some pro wrestling. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Nice unexpected podcast. Yeah. Oh, and hey, on a side note, do you have a chop saw? No. Do you want a chop saw? Yes. Okay, I'll bring it this Saturday. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Irvin had two. He's like, you want a chop saw? And I'm like, yeah, I want a chop saw. And he's like, we well, go take them both. And he opens up his back of his truck, and there's a Craftsman one, a smaller one that I want, and then there was another one that's, it's a Nikita, so it's a good brand. And he's like, you gotta take them both. I'm like, well, I don't want them both. He's like, well, you can't just take one. If you're gonna take one, you gotta take them both. And I go, fine. I'll just see if Paul needs a chop saw. That works for me. Yeah, I'm pretty much in the open market for tools these days. Yeah. So if you ever come across stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Happy birthday to me on Saturday. Yeah, bring it this Saturday then. Cool. Hey, I'll talk to you later then. Later.